Welcome back to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. We've been taking a bit of a break, I think, like a lot of people have in this uh, space, given the kind of downward trajectory. Uh, we just all need to recoup, recoup uh, get our thoughts gathered, and uh, make sure we are still on the right path. And of course, we decided we still are. Um, I'm here with Greg today, who will be talking about the last week or so in Austin, Texas, where Decentral and consensus uh, blockchain conference, conferences were held. Um, Decentral was first, uh, it was started on, I think, Tuesday, not not last week, but the week before. Um, and then consensus started Thursday. So it was a week long event. Uh, we spent a lot of time at these blockchain, uh, I, I want to call them festivals, because I've been to a few music festivals recently, but these blockchain conferences, um, although they do kind of operate like a festival in terms of the nightlife. so. Either way, I thought we'd uh, get right into it and kind of talk about our experience down there and, and what we learned and the different projects we, we saw and what we thought really stood out. So, Greg, I guess from your perspective, um, I know you were down there for most of the week. Uh, what was your favorite part of, I guess, let's start with um, Decentral, which was the first uh, couple of days of the week? Yeah, so I actually only was able to make it to Decentral, but I really... I just love number one, just meeting everybody and just the energy that everybody gave off, even though we just had a huge crash and, you know, we're in a bear market. Um, there was really no talk of price or no talk of anything like that. It was all about what people are doing, what people are building, um, how we can continue to improve the space, how we can continue to increase decentralization and privacy and security. And I just thought it was really, uh, it was really heartening and and good to see that kind of talk and there was there wasn't anybody that was like down or like oh you know the industry's going away or any of that stuff it was all just positive talk and i really like to see that uh what yeah. about you no i i felt the same way i actually got very similar feedback from people it was more or less just about what everyone was building or what they were working on uh and really no focus on the current market conditions because i think to someone who's actually building some of these protocols the the actual market isn't as big of a factor to them because uh, they're, they're trying to build something out that's going to last for years, at least they hope. So I, I think they were kind of looking far enough out in the future that th these price declines don't phase them as much. And it is nice to be around that because if you spend a lot of time on these social networks, uh, specifically like Twitter, you're going to get a lot of doom and gloom mixed in with some uh, some hopeful people. But uh, it's nice to just get get to a place where everyone's not really hopeful nor really on the other end. They're just kind of content, you know, and building and, and hoping that eventually when, when things come back around, they'll be rewarded for all the hard work. You know, it really is interesting, the difference from crypto Twitter and then actually meeting people in person and like talking to actual builders and stuff, just how different the sentiment is. Like you said, how like Twitter is, there's a lot of doom and gloom out there and a lot of really extreme takes, but then seeing and meeting builders in person and people where it's just like, you know what, we're, doesn't matter what the price is. We're going to keep doing this. And like you said, we have a, you know, five-year outlook or 10-year outlook or even longer. And they're not, it's not just, you know, a get rich quick or a cash grab. It's, they're looking to actually build something meaningful. Yeah, no, I, I got that same, same feeling. So with that said, I guess, what was your favorite either, you know, booth at Decentral or was there any, uh, speech or presentation that really stood out to you? 
Uh, so, I mean, obviously the, the secret booth kind of dominated. It was on the main level. It was, you know, a huge three table setup. There was tons of people stopping to talk and, you know, kind of create a little bit of a log jam there, which was cool to see. Um, I really liked the talk that uh, Patrick from Jackal did on secure storage and how easy it is to find people's data out there um, and how much is really just out there from various breaches that have happened. Uh, it's a really eye-opening to see that. Um, and I've heard you, that Liz? quite a bit, actually. I've heard a lot yeah. of people mention that that Jackal presentation is one of their favorites. And, and personally, it was one of mine as well. Uh, I thought Patrick, who's um, one of the founders of Jackal, did a great job of building this story up uh, as he was kind of explaining what Jackal did. And then just kind of had a mic drop moment to finish the talk, which I thought was incredibly powerful, especially as someone who understands, I guess, the inherent issues without having privacy in the blockchain so to see him just prove even from it was actually from a web 2 standpoint but just proving how there's a, a major lack of of privacy not only in web 2 but web 3 and, and it's just a really powerful statement so i thought that was a really interesting one as well and then i noticed a lot of uh DeFi gaming booths at decentral which i was surprised by you know I, I thought a lot of these gaming companies wouldn't wouldn't be out here willing to spend to, to really promote in this type of market um, but they, they came out in droves. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um, I don't know if you got to talk to any of them. We got to, Jake and I got to talk to the guy from Splinterland and I'd never really heard of that before, but apparently they've been around for four years. It's like a card game, kind of like, you know, magic or Pokemon type thing. Um, but it's all, they're all NFT cards. You can, you know, collect them, you can battle with them and everything. And it's, yeah, there's something that's been around for four or five years. It looks like they're going to keep their, you know, a solid type of game that I think that's really something that kind of needs to get built is somewhere. It's just it's a easy, it's a card battler game. It's all auto battle. So basically you like set your deck and then just it battles for you, but you do all the strategy stuff beforehand. Um, that was probably the coolest one that we talked to. A lot of the other ones, they're still in development or they're, you know, building a a metaverse or something like that where it's, It'll, I guess we'll kind of see what happens in the next couple of years, but a lot of them are, are probably pretty far away from a full productive game at this point. Yeah, and that seems to be like the common theme in this space is there's a lot of people who want to build and want to create these really cool projects and, and more power to them. I, I would love to see it, but not a lot of progress has, be, has been made yet on these games and they're already kind of out there shopping either a token or you know trying to get people on board Um without even really having anything to offer. So I think, you know, those companies and, and games like Splinterland, like you mentioned, who've been around for, you know, a while and have actually proven that they can build and deploy a game. Um, those are definitely projects I'd like to keep my eye on as we kind of enter this next phase of, of crypto in my eyes. Um, as we're getting closer to the bottom or maybe we're already there, who knows? Uh, I think you'll see, you know, a lot of these different protocols, games, everything start to fade away and the strong will survive into this next phase whether that be you know whatever the next big thing in crypto is that takes us back up um and it could be it could be gaming but if that's going to work we need more actual functioning games like you mentioned like splinterland so yeah i think he had mentioned that they had somewhere around i think it was 300 or 500,000 users like daily active users so they have a, a huge player base yeah yeah so yeah which think, is, i mean that's just a simple card game if we can get some other like more developed games out there i mean that's it it just goes to show that the concept is is strong 
Exactly. Even with the most basic, you know, kind of gaming loops, uh, you're still able to draw a lot of return players and keep them there. So to your point, as more of these games come out, hopefully, you know, we come up with more complex type games that can still function uh, in this Web3 space. And once that starts to happen, we'll I think we'll see some pretty pretty big adoption. So, yeah, um, well, and like you said, I mean, you get, you know, 500 people all building a game. If one or two of them come to fruition, then, you know, it's a lot exactly. of shoots, right? Well, spray, spray and pray. Right. Hey, I mean, sometimes you got to do that. I mean, with no, new I, technology I, like this, you just got to get everybody throwing ideas at the wall and seeing what sticks. Exactly. And, and the quicker, you know, you, you pump out more and more different products, the quicker you can kind of find out what works and what doesn't. And that really helps yep. stuff innovate. So, so kind of speaking of innovation, how did you feel about Kevin Smith? <laughs> well, first off, uh, I thought his uh, speech was hilarious or his presentation. Um, <laughs> yes. It was very much in character, which I, I can appreciate as someone who grew up watching a lot of his movies. Uh, but in terms of the actual innovation that you're referring to, I actually think he is doing something really innovative. Um, so what what Kevin Smith did was he's launching a project called Kilroy Was Here. And it is essentially a full feature film um, that he is releasing via secret NFTs on the secret network. So that's pretty cool concept in general. I think it's the first one ever to the first movie ever to be distributed via NFTs. Um, and it's just kind of going to show what you can do with NFTs. And they're more than just, you know, this right click save or JPEG. So with secret NFTs, because they have privacy, um, uh, uh, the ability to have private metadata, essentially, you can actually buy one of these NFTs and own, you know, a piece of the film or the full film where you can watch it, but only you can watch it because no one else can see, you know, the link inside your NFT. So therefore they do not have access to this. So now you're creating a whole different market of exclusivity with NFTs by adding private metadata. So in my eyes, that's an incredibly innovative approach. Um, and then in addition to that, which I think is really cool, is that you actually own the rights to the character that you mint. So if you wanted to create a sequel or a spinoff, um, Kevin Smith has made it clear that you own all IP and rights and can go ahead and make that sequel. So if there's one thing to be said about NFTs needing utility, maybe this isn't everyone's cup of tea, but if you're a creator, what an awesome idea, like where you can actually own the IP of the NFT you mint, and therefore it has real utility because you can really do whatever you want with it at that point, uh, including making your own feature film. Yeah, well, and speaking to that, I think number one, the Kilroy Was Here movie is an anthology, is I think how you say it. So it's a bunch of short films that kind of are all tied together. So if you do get the NFT, you can even make a short film. You don't even have to make a feature film because I think he said he was going to take a bunch of short films that are made from people who get these NFTs and make that into the second film is kind of his idea. So if you're yeah, if you're an amateur filmmaker or professional filmmaker and you want to get in on that, it's a I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. And the fact that there's already a movie made so that the actual content has some sort of value to it. It's not just like, here's a character, do whatever you want with it. There's already some backstory. There's already some value built up into it. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and it really is, like we said, like kind of a very innovative approach because most Blockchains don't even support the ability to have private metadata. So it really limits what you can actually do. Something like this probably wouldn't work in that sense because, well, owning the rights would work, right? Like the idea that you own the IP rights is, is huge. 
but the idea that you could place something in there, like the access to a short, you know, a short film that only you have access to exactly. is very, yeah. very unique to secret network, which, which I'm excited to see how that, that function builds out and, and all the different ideas that people come up with to use um, this private metadata for. Yeah. I think um, that's one of the coolest things about secret is being able to put private metadata in there and have it only viewable to the owner. I mean, that really is what's going to take NFTs to the next level. Like, Otherwise, like you said, it's just right-click, save, and then you have the same thing, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with, with Decentral, I think that was probably the main... Oh, I actually you know what? There's one more I actually wanted to discuss, and it was Cardano's founder, Charles Hoskinson. So he showed up to Decentral, which I was quite surprised about, um, but I had to check it out. I'm not going to lie. I've I'm always wanted to criticize him for, for many things, including you know Cardano itself. But I will say I really enjoyed uh, his discussion. So it, it was more or less about kind of regulation and, and the state of proof of stake, really, in general. Um, and I just thought he had a lot of really interesting and, and knowledgeable things to say, regardless of how you feel about him. Um, and, and obviously, he had a few things to say that I disagree with completely. Uh, but at the end of the day, his overall comments, I thought, were very, very um eye-opening to me just in general about decisions that were being made by the ethereum team and and kind of where he sees proof of stake in general uh were you able to catch that one and if you did did you have any similar thoughts or i guess different thoughts yeah i caught i actually was only able to catch the first part of it when he was talking about uh regulations um but i thought that was very interesting because i mean like it or not he is going to be one of the people who's going to be at the forefront of regulations obviously um, he is right now. So, you know, we kind of need to listen and hear kind of what his thought process is to understand where, I guess, the future of regulations are going to go. And I mean, it, I think he had some very good ideas. He had some ideas I don't agree with, but um, I'm he definitely has thought out all of his ideas. Um, <laughs> that's one thing you can't uh, knock him for is he definitely right. thinks everything out and researches it and yeah, and if you're going to have somebody kind of representing proof of stake at the at the uh, regulatory level, um, I think he's a good one to have because yeah. he he is very intelligent, he's very uh, articulate, and then on top of that, he has a lot of clout. Um, obviously, he has a very yes. strong following of Cardano followers, but then even beyond that, um, a lot of people still lend him a lot of credibility because he was part of that you know original Ethereum group that kind of built out uh, Ether. So. With that said, he, people listen to him, including what I would imagine a lot of uh, politicians and lobbyists will listen to him too, or at least give him, lend him more, you know, credibility than most. So yeah. to me, he is a great face to have, um, kind of fighting for proof of stakes. I know proof of work already has quite a bit of backing from all the Bitcoin maxis, so it'd be nice to have someone on our side. Yeah, I mean, you need you need the big guys to be able to fight for the protocol because i mean yeah it's you need people in washington and lobbyists i mean unfortunately it's it's the dirty part of it but if if we want crypto to actually survive and web3 to thrive we need you know people fighting for it right and we need people who clearly understand it and, and can articulate yes. it one of the biggest yes. issues i see is this gap in understanding where you have politicians who, who don't fully understand or grasp the concepts and then are basically putting their foot down with you know, their opinion on something that they really don't understand. And I think a lot of them, when they do understand what's happening, they'll see kind of, they'll have that eye-opening moment. But if we don't have enough people 
you know, articulating these ideas to them in a way that they can understand it, this could, process could take a long time. I mean, here we are, you know, this is almost the third cycle for Bitcoin, I'd say, and we're still trying to get it, you know, approved. We're still trying to get everyone's buy-in on it. So, you know, are we closer? I believe so, but it's it's still an uphill battle. So I guess that's that's my main point with Charles. It, it was despite my, you know, disdain for certain things, I thought he did an excellent job discussing the issues and uh, I'm happy he'll be one of the people fighting for blockchain at least. Agree. I agree completely. Um, so what was some of your takeaways from consensus then? I was not able to make it there. So consensus was actually really, really cool. Um, I thought they set up really well from an event uh, standpoint. There's a lot of stuff going on, uh, a lot of cool booths, a lot of free swag. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, I thought they also got a, a lot of really high quality speakers. So I spent a lot of time sitting in the in the discussions and panels, um, just kind of learning as much as I can. I would say the most interesting thing that I noticed was there was a definite shift in discussion to privacy and decentralization. Um, it seems to me that that is going to be the next big kind of wave based on what I, what I was hearing. Um, a lot of projects there were, were you know, starting to work on different privacy aspects like ZK, um, ZKs and stuff or bulletproofs basically. And then I saw a secret network was there giving panel discussions. Um, Railgun was there, a whole bunch of privacy focused protocols. Um, and then on top of that, I noticed decentralization, uh, Cosmos, Polkadot, uh, I believe Polygon, a layer two and Ethereum was there. And, and they all had great panels where they just kind of discussed their view of proof of stake and, their view of decentralization and how it can work. And it's, and it's interesting because all three of them have kind of slightly different views. Um, but overall, it was just really cool to listen to everyone's perspective and kind of take it all in. Um, and I've spent the last week or so kind of digesting and trying to understand, you know, where I, where I sit on this spectrum of, you know, decentralization versus centralization, um, as well as just this whole, the whole privacy um, aspect finally getting some recognition. Awesome. That sounds like it was a great time. Was there any particular protocol or project that really stood out to you that you maybe hadn't have heard of before? There, I mean, there's quite a few and it's, it's hard to name one. Um, one that we did actually talk to just slightly was Composable Finance and they're building oh, yeah. kind, kind of like a, a DeFi hub, if you will. Um, I think the idea is to kind of connect them to a, a bunch of different uh, layer one chains like Polkadot, uh, Atom or Cosmos, uh, and then start to bring in other ones as well from, you know, the ERC 20 communities and basically make a place where you can do DeFi with access to all these different kind of layer ones without limiting yourself um, to having to bridge every time you want to do something. Cause obviously that bridge adds risk. So I thought composable was a really cool um, idea that I hadn't heard of until I got down there. Um, Many others too that I probably have heard of, but didn't wasn't very aware of. Uh, mainly with privacy, I didn't realize how many different projects were working on privacy. Um, so that was cool to see a, a lot of different approaches, and it'll be interesting to see which one wins out, um, or if it's kind of a combination of a few. But still learning a lot, to be honest. You realize once you're down there talking to people how much there is to learn out there. And, and although I feel I have a, of a strong gr grasp on a lot of things with uh, blockchain, especially in privacy, you realize quickly that you you just can never learn enough and there's always a couple layers deeper you can go and by talking to these people it's really helpful because they can connect some dots and 
point you to good resources and just make you think um, in kind of different ways than you had previously thought. So in general, just really enjoyed my time down there. Got to meet a ton of cool people. Everyone's super open, wants to discuss. Um, everyone's just trying to get better and build, honestly. it's they People say it all the time. And it's kind of that cliche saying, but it really is true. Like when you're talking to builders, they just want to build. They just want to talk about what they're doing and explain what they're trying to do to you. And it's, it's really cool. I think, yeah, that was one of the coolest things is like, you know, I mean, <clears throat> you try to talk to some, you know, people in normal life about some of this stuff and it kind of glazes over pretty quick, but you get to go to these conferences and just really nerd out to put it. <laughs> <laughs> and just to be able to listen to the builders, just, yeah, kind of talk about all the cool stuff they're doing and, and realizing, yeah, that you, you got a lot to learn still, but I think that's awesome too. Cause it's something where, you can always be continuously learning in this field. And that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite things about it. Same. That's what drew me to it as well. So, well, All I, right, think I got that... one last question for you. Okay. How okay. much swag did you get? Oh man. Uh, that, <laughs> that is actually a great question. Uh, more than I could fit in my suitcase. So that was actually <laughs> a big too. issue. <laughs> I had to really figure out how to get stuff back. Um, and it ended up with me just having to stuff a bunch of things into my carry on backpack. <laughs> Um, which then made it almost impossible to get it under the seat and almost got it taken off the plane. But that is a whole separate story. The fact of the matter is I got a ton of cool swag and I will definitely be going to more of these uh, conferences in the future, regardless of if there's swag or not. But that is definitely a big, big incentive because man, I literally refreshed my entire closet. Oh yeah. I, uh, I had the same problem. I had two very, very full bags that thankfully made it on the plane, but (laughs) I was, I was very thankful I did. I packed pretty light, so I was able to stuff enough stuff in my bags to. <laughs> but to yeah, get that up. was it was crazy how much stuff you're like. Oh wait, I got like twelve t-shirts. I should probably stop grabbing stuff. Yes, and I'll actually say one more thing. I thought the the quality of the swag was actually really high, which I oh. I don't know if that's just a a web three thing or what, but a lot of these teams actually invested in getting some quality materials for the shirts, and I, a few of them were even embroidered instead of screen printed, so. Shout out to them because I will probably wear your shirt a lot more often if it's, you know, a little higher quality and not, you know, one wash and it shrinks and screen right. printing starts cracking or what what have you. So, hey, yeah, we'll see yeah, how that works out. Good hats, good shirts, yeah. wardrobes refreshed, ready to go. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Now I can wrap out all the different protocols I've been talking about <laughs> in public, which is actually something I've been wanting to do. I have about 10 secret network shirts. I think they probably did the best job marketing down there, to be honest. Oh, easily. Those privacy hats really, really make their way around the city. It's crazy. I, I saw people in the airport with them, people on the street. Um, really cool, actually. But, man, shout out to that Secret for that. That was a really good move. Well, I think that is about all. I think we got a pretty good recap of Decentral. We got a, a smaller recap of Consensus, but that's all good. Um, we can probably hop back on later on this week to discuss more or just the general market. But either way, man, it was nice getting back on here and, and getting the daybreak crypto going again. So we plan to exactly. keep this going for the next. Yeah, man. And we plan to keep it going now. We're, we're back on board. We're back to making content. So tune in uh, when you can and we'll be back later this week.